Welcome to the Commercial Disco, a voyage of commercial discovery. The only show dedicated to exploring the commercialization of great ideas and research across deep tech and science, driven by the ambition of the people that make up Australia's unique innovation landscape. We talk to the greatest minds about what is influencing their work and their insights into the ingredients needed to bring great Australian innovation to life. Hello, I'm James Riley. I'm the editorial director at innovationoz.com. Welcome to the Commercial Disco. Today we're talking hydrogen. We're talking renewables. We're talking to Hisata, an Australian company that makes electrolyzers and uh, based on a on a fundamentally new redesigned electrolyzer system. And I'm talking to Chief Executive Paul Barrett. Paul, how are you going? Yeah, James, good. Thanks uh, for the invitation to talk today. Look forward to our conversation. So let's just step through very simply from the start. Hisada has rethought or redesigned the electrolyzer. Just tell me, I mean, electrolyzers have been around for a long time. This is not a new thing. So what's new? And just give us a sense of where Hisata has come from. Yeah, James, a great, great starting point. So this technology was actually born at the university bench at the University of Wollongong in, in Wollongong by a professor Jerry Schwiegers and, and some of his PhD students. So they sought to look at existing electrolyzers and figure out what made them so inefficient. And during that essentially study, they figured out a couple of key levers they could pull to make electrolyzers significantly more efficient. And there's two real key innovations then behind the Hisada electrolyzer. The first is Instead of surrounding the electrodes by liquid and, and forming bubbles of liquid, we have targeted delivery of the electrolyte between the two electrodes through a membrane, much like a sponge dipping a sponge in a sink and the sponge sucks up the water. So we deliver the water with this membrane sponge between the two electrodes. And then we form gases. And instead of the gases forming in a bulk liquid, they go off to the sides in, into gas pockets. So those two things the targeted delivery of liquid between the two electrodes really lowers the resistance of the cell and not forming bubbles further lowers the resistance of the cell. And if you compound those two elements together, you really get a disruptive performance of an electrolyzer with unprecedented efficiency relative to incumbent technology. Just before we go back to the origins of that tech, what are we talking about in terms of a disruptive improvement? So we're operating at a 95% system efficiency. So this is stack, power, and balance of system. And that's 41.5 kilowatt hours per kilogram. And if you look at a incumbent system, it's around 75% efficient, which is about 52 and a half kilowatt hours per kilogram. So it's really a giant leap in an industry that's been around for 100 years because electrolyzers have been commercially available for over 100 years. And there's been incremental improvement over the last number of decades, but this is really a truly a giant leap in performance that's got, most importantly, a lot of big industrial end users pretty excited about the implications that this efficiency has on their overall project economics. So an efficiency gain of that level obviously presents some potentially astounding commercial opportunities. I should have mentioned up front, big news for your company is your very recent, I think, August $42 million Series A funding raise. So 
When we look at the hydrogen market, can you just describe where we're at right now? Obviously, it looks like blue sky and green fields out there, but we're starting from a, a very, very low base. So what does it look like? What does the runway look like? And does a path exist to get to kind of volume production? Yeah, so firstly, it's probably worthwhile taking a step back when you look at hydrogen. So hydrogen today is a widely used industrial gas. There's about $100 billion of, of hydrogen used every year in applications from refining petroleum to make uh, you know gasoline or petrol through to making soft margarine, right? So it's a really widely used industrial chemical, also used in polymers, so the plastic chairs, we're sitting on or the the plastic in our in our cars all use hydrogen today as in, in, in uh, industrial gas now the vast majority of that hydrogen today is made through natural gas as the feedstock and when you make hydrogen that way and, and the dominant way is called steam methane reforming you have a lot of co2 emissions so what we're talking about using electrolyzer is making green hydrogen so this would be emission free Hydrogen production, so you take an electrolyzer, the only input it takes is water and electrons. And if those electrons are renewable, the hydrogen you produce is green. So producing green hydrogen, particularly with a system like ours that's highly efficient, opens up a huge number of industries to, to decarbonization. And James, a big net zero story here. To get to net zero, we have got to electrify everything we can. But once you've electrified everything, there's still the hard-to-abate sectors that just can't be electrified. So think of steel manufacture, chemical manufacture, industrial heat and heavy transportation that batteries and electrons can't actually physically do what needs to be done. So that's where you need a green energy carrier. And that's where something like hydrogen comes in. So if we make green hydrogen today, it's a natural replacement for all the natural gas-derived hydrogen as well as initiating a whole other range of industries in those hard-to-abate sectors. For instance, steel manufacture, so getting rid of the coal when making steel and, and using hydrogen as the reductive environment. Chemical manufacture, such as ammonia, which is a major fertilizer, and using green hydrogen instead of natural gas-derived hydrogen. So there really is a huge need and commercial opportunity. And we really are in, in kind of, like I suppose, a green hydrogen revolution, where over the next number of decades on, on the path to net zero, this is going to be a huge industry the size of today's natural gas industry, but producing renewable, clean, green energy carrier like hydrogen through an electrolyzer. So just before we go on to some of those questions of market, just back to that genesis of the tech. So it's come through the University of Wollongong, and I understand a, a CRC based at the University of Wollongong. Can you just tell me how they kind of operated together to result in, in this commercial enterprise? Yeah, it was, it was around the University of Wollongong. It was actually under an ARENA project, so, so not a CRC. So ARENA had funded and, and do a wonderful job funding early stage research in Australia in the renewable sector. And that essentially funded the body of work that led to the, the genesis of the, the high SATA technology. And that technology set and those results, which were published earlier this year in a top tier journal, Nature Communications, really set the ground foundations for what is the, the core of the high SATA technology. Okay, so fully funded now, obviously, with, the, with that Series A round and originally funded through ARENA. Can you talk through, firstly, who the investors that came on board are, but who were the original kind of 
seed funders here in addition to Arena? Was it publicly funded? Was there a mix of private funding and, and public funding? Yeah, and so just to be clear, so Arena funded some of the original work uh, at the university going back uh, several years. And in 2020, the, the company got seed funding. And uh, in June of this year, we closed a, a pretty significant Series A investment round of $42.5 million. So in that Series A investment, it was uh, Verescent Ventures, which is the venture arm of uh, Australia's CEFC. We had IP Group Australia, the Kiko Ventures, which is a UK kind of clean tech specialist in, investor, and Vestas Ventures, and, and Vestas is the world's biggest renewable energy provider. They're a major wind turbine manufacturer headquartered in Denmark. We had Host Plus, which is an Australian superannuation fund, and Blue Scope Steel, which is a Illawarra-based uh, um, steel company. So we really had a great international mix of venture investors and strategic partners and customers. So it's a really great mix of investors that really underscores the disruption that that Hisada can bring to the green hydrogen industry. And so Hisada, your role in that value chain will be in the manufacture of of these redesigned electrolyzers or will, will you ultimately move up into production or building renewable facilities to charge one? Yeah, there's, there's lots of optionality for Hisada with its business model, but certainly initially you're spot on. We're going to be the company that manufactures electrolyzers and ships those electrolyzers to companies or, or uh, customers who then use those electrolyzers coupled with renewable electrons to make green hydrogen for, for their end use. So whether that be steel, chemical, energy export, industrial heat, so there's a huge range of end use applications. Over time, and it's hard to crystal ball gaze at this stage, but there is plenty of optionality to, to look further up that, that value chain and ultimately it could kind of supply the molecule, but certainly initially very much in the electrolyzer manufacturing. So the role of investors makes it seem, I mean, it certainly looks like it's kind of built for a global potential customers from the start. That would certainly be the case, I take it? Yeah, well, green hydrogen is a global industry and global need so yeah we're, we're thinking very much global from from day one and ha- how we interact with multinationals around the world around our technology and getting really tremendous incoming interest from all the major corporates globally who understand the significance that our 41 and a half kilowatt hour per kilogram system has on their project economics so we're getting a ton of traction globally yeah and, and absolutely planning to operate globally from day one from from our base in Australia. So from a green hydrogen perspective, and even from a perspective of retooling industry to an extent, not just here in Australia, but across the world, obviously, where are we up to with that? I mean, we've talked about Australia being a, you know, potentially a green energy superpower and exporting hydrogen. It doesn't seem too far off in the future, but we've yet to really see that happen. What is that pathway and what is the time frame that you can see and what kinds of partners need to come on board to make that a reality? Yes, so you hit a really great point in that question. So I will come to your question, but I need to re-emphasize the point you made around Australia can be a green energy superpower. This really is the decade that Australia needs to firm its position globally as that green energy superpower. So we've got the 
natural resources, abundant wind and solar resources, some of the best in the world. We've actually got a lot of the raw materials that we, we mine and export that can actually be used to make electrolyzers. And so this is essentially Australia's race to lose. There's lots of countries going after green hydrogen, but none are as blessed with the resources that we are. So it's, it really comes down to companies like ours and government and Australian government to really capture the public's imagination and get this industry to scale so that Australia doesn't get left behind. And, you know, frankly, we're in second or third place already and, and the race has barely begun. So we've, we've kind of got to raise our game as a nation to really make sure we capture the value and the employment of the export dollars that, that this industry can bring. As I mentioned earlier, the scale of this industry is truly mind-boggling. It's the size of today's natural gas industry. But Australia could be manufacturing the equipment that makes this natural gas replacement. We can make it at home driving, you know, employment, jobs, innovation. So a lot of work to do to, to get that industry to scale in, in, in Australia. So just before you go on, can I interrupt you just for a minute? You talk with some urgency. What do you make of the discussion that we've got going on now? Hydrogen seems still to be a peripheral discussion in terms of renewables. Peripherals probably uh, might be a little bit harsh, but but it doesn't seem as central or as energetic as you're proposing it should be. Well, it's part of the renewable energy mix, right? So, so this is not an argument that we don't need more solar and wind. We absolutely need more solar, wind and storage. But if you look towards net zero and, and look at the, the industries that need to be decarbonized that account for about 20% of the world emissions, they need green hydrogen as a solution. And if you look at other jurisdictions in the world, like the, the United States has just brought in the Inflation Reduction Act, which had a major government incentive around electrolyzers. And France, uh, you know, a country of similar scale, economic scale to Australia, has just rolled out a 2 billion euro package for electrolyzer support. So while it mightn't be tip of the tongue in Australia, it very much is front and center in, in other jurisdictions around the world. And, that, and that's why maybe the urgency in my, my tone of voice is, is not that Australia is doing terribly. It's just we're not at the front of the pack. And we should have the ambition to be at the front of that pack to really drive a era-defining industry on our doorstep. So that $42 million that you've raised recently, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Firstly, in building an electrolyzer manufacturing capability in Australia based on your tech, are we able to do that at scale yet? Do we have the skills? Do we have the support mechanisms that would enable that? Where would that industry sit? And is that the fundamental thing that you're funding right now with that capital raise? Yes. So firstly, I think we're, we're really appreciative of the support of our syndicate investors, which are really high impact and essentially have the skills and experience and global connections to help us get this company to scale. So, so when you look at a company like ours, what we're planning to do first is have a pilot production line, which demonstrates the technology at a meaningful scale. And we can then get systems into customers' hands for testing. So that's really a big component of that Series A investment raise. It's also worth pointing out, which I think will resonate well with, with your audience, we're not building a software company. So this won't be the last capital raise we need to do to get this manufacturing to scale. This is a, a multi-billion dollar opportunity that's going to need the right investors, capital and talent around the table to, to bring it to scale. What I've been happy with over the last several months since we closed investment is the availability of talent. In Australia, 
and myself and, and our leadership team have drawn on our own personal networks, as well as the wider engineering scene in Australia to actually build a pretty talented team. And we've got a huge number of applicants for, for all the roles we advertise or recruit for, and people with a lot of experience in, in a bunch of different industries that we're bringing to bear on uh, scaling high setup. So that's pretty exciting. So, so plenty of talent in, in Australia. And as I mentioned, we've got all the, uh, the raw materials, the natural energy resources, as well as a pretty big market here in Australia too. So we've got all the ingredients to build a big, era-defining company in Australia exporting to the world. Correct me if I'm wrong, you're still based in Wollongong or the Illawarra? Yeah, we're based in the, in the Wollongong area at the moment. Yep. So I'm, I'm wondering then, as far as customers go, even customers for that initial pilot production line, have you got cooperative partnerships with some of the heavy industry down there that will retool for your hydrogen supply potentially? Well, I think it's actually better than that. We're overwhelmed with, with customer demand. And um, maybe if we speak in a, a couple more months, we can talk in more detail about what that means. But there, there re- honestly is a global interest in what we're doing. And I have no shortage of customers wanting to do pilot production and really get an insight in how this technology would work at their site and ultimately yeah, you know, transform the economics of their green hydrogen plants. And that's global, not just Australia. These are global customers across Asia, Europe, and the US. This is probably getting to the politics of it a little bit, but uh, you know, we, we talk about transferable skills and the disruptive tech of, of renewables will require a workforce and there's people who will be disrupted out of jobs from uh, current energy sources. So when you look at your uh, potential manufacturing base, are there transferable skills from that you know, that are going to keep people employed across that heavy industry base within the Illawarra? Yeah, um, there is. And actually, I've got a great story about that. And uh, so one of my team, who I won't mention because he'll probably be embarrassed, but he actually comes from one of the local collieries. And so he's been a carbon coal worker for his whole career. And uh, he's been working in underground coaling, uh, coal for a decade in, in and around system automation, system safety. And those skills were directly applicable to what we're doing today. So what we need are bright, smart, hardworking people that are easy to work with and that forms the you know the backbone of any good organization and and we should have plenty of that in australia for sure all right i'm going to finish up on this one i I just want to ask in terms of not really a government support question but governments obviously provide a lot of infrastructure and frameworks around which commercial enterprises can succeed or or not succeed what does the australian government need to do what needs to be in place whether it's it might, it might not be dollars, it might be regulatory frameworks. What needs to be done to give this industry its best chance of success? Yeah, that's a good question. And I want to remain as uh, apolitical as, as, as possible. And HISADA looks forward to continuing to work with kind of all levels of, of government. But we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. I think we just need to almost mirror what other jurisdictions have done overseas, right? So I mentioned the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, the 2 billion euro from France around electrolyzer support. It's incentives and it's packages around that scale that is really what's needed to anchor this industry in, in Australia. Otherwise, companies get drawn to you know France or the US or wherever there's big incentive packages to help get these industries 
up the scale. And again, I said it earlier in our discussion, this is Australia's really race to lose at the cusp of a green hydrogen revolution that's going to help decarbonize a whole range of big emitting industries. And, and, and in many cases, Australia is the source of the raw materials in those big emitting industries, such as steel. So, so really a huge opportunity and almost responsibility from Australia to make this happen on our shores, drive the decarbonization of heavy industry, drive big employment, drive export revenue, and, and really have a, a global defining industry and, and companies in, in, in Australia. All right, Paul Barrett, Chief Executive Officer at Hisata, the uh, electrolyzer manufacturer or developer and manufacturer now. Thank you very much for joining us on the Commercial Disco. James, appreciate the, the time and it was a pleasure speaking with you today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Commercial Disco podcast. Please like, subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you heard us. And please visit our website, innovationoz.com to check out our reporting on tech, innovation and public policy. You can also follow us on social media to ask us any questions or to suggest a guest for the show. Until next time, this is the Commercial Disco wishing you a great week ahead.